And good morning. Welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other uh, platforms that we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. It is a great joy for me to welcome you to the program. And I'm Warren Landis, your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And uh, I hope you had a very wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Some of you got to travel far from home to visit with family and relatives, and that certainly is always exciting. And I know that a lot of you probably got your fill of turkey and ham and dressing and all the trimmings that go with it. (laughs) Amen. And just for good measure, you got in a few football games, and I hope your team won. Uh, Yeah, this is a very wonderful time of the year, and now, of course, we are going full steam ahead into the Christmas season. And I want to be among the first to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. (coughs) Some of you can tell my voice is uh, not entirely what I want it to be. Uh, I've been suffering the last several days, really, with a, a very bad chest cold. So I hope that you will be continuing to pray for me and uh, that God will give me the strength that I need to get through this particular broadcast. Now, today we're going to be in Romans chapter 15, starting with verse 1. And and I realized this morning as I was looking over uh, my notes and all for this particular broadcast, we are nearing the end of the book of Romans. In fact, uh, those of you that know your Bible, you know there's only 16 chapters in Romans, and today we're going to be in chapter 15. And then on the next broadcast, we'll uh, get into chapter 16. So I'm going to give you your homework assignment early uh, on this broadcast, and that is I want you to go ahead and uh, finish reading Uh, the book of Romans, if you haven't already done so. A lot of good stuff here that we need today as uh, Christians. Now, in the last broadcast, Paul talked about the importance of recognizing uh, our weaker brothers and sisters in Christ Uh, for example, in Paul's day, there were those that ate meat and those that did not eat meat. And Paul says, uh, those of you that love me, don't sit in on judgment on those that eat only vegetables. And those of you that eat only vegetables, don't pass judgment on those that love to eat meat. You know, respect each other's differences. Now, you know, that's a very big lesson for us to learn as Christians, because... Even though we're all Christians, and even though all Christians are going to heaven, we're not all alike. We have different likes, different dislikes. We like different kinds of music. Uh, That's why in a lot of churches today, you have maybe a a blended service, or a traditional service, and then another service for contemporary praise and worship. We have different styles of music that we like to listen to when we come to the church to worship, you know. Um, We have Christians that read only the King James Version of the Bible, and then we have other Christians that uh, see nothing wrong with reading uh, 
other versions of the Bible. And I think that within reason, we have to respect each other's differences rather than harshly judging others. And, and you know, one of the interesting things that I get from the Bible is the fact that the Bible tells us God will judge us the way we judge other people. If you judge other people harshly, guess what? God's going to judge you harshly. And the more leniently you judge others, the more leniently God will judge you. So if you want God to have mercy on you, if you want God to treat you with leniency rather than giving you what you really deserve, then you need to put that into practice. You know, you need to be more forgiving of those that have wronged you. You need to be more forgiving of those that differ with you. And instead of judging each other because of our differences, why don't we make up our minds we're going to work with each other in terms of getting out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, one of the things I can't help but notice, uh, I love Christian radio. Uh, I'm, I'm sold on Christian radio. Um, and we've got a number of Christian radio stations and radio networks in the country today. I sometimes wish that more Christian broadcasters would work together in unity rather than each trying to build their own empires. <laughs> I'm afraid we have a lot of empire building in Christianity today, and I don't think that pleases God. I think God wants us as Christians to worship together and to serve him together and see what we can do to work with others in terms of getting out the gospel. Not competing with them, but getting out the gospel. <laughs> I know some churches that get insanely jealous over what other churches are doing. Uh, that's not a Christian attitude. The Christian attitude is, I recognize that my church may reach people for Jesus that you're not reaching. On the other hand, you may reach people for Jesus that I'm not able to reach. But as Christians and as Christian ministries, we're all players on the same team. Amen. And I think that's a wonderful point for us to get across. And Paul continues that line of thinking as we go into um, Romans chapter 15. Uh, let me get my glasses on here. In Romans chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3, we read, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. In other words, Paul is saying here, we that are strong, we need to bear the infirmities of the weak. For example, in, in the average typical church in America today, you have some Christians that are very strong spiritually. You have other Christians that are very weak. And what would be ideal is for those Christians 
who were strong to spend time with those who were weak in hopes that they could build up the weak and make them stronger. I think that would be a a wonderful thing. Now, of course, you can't do that if you're judging. You can't do that if you're judging. But when you put your arms around a weaker brother or sister in Christ and you say, you know what? We're going to grow in the Lord together. (laughs) You'll be amazed what good that will do. I mean, it will work wonders. I mean, you talk about um, a revival. (laughs) Man, you're going to see a revival of major proportions. Uh, I mean, seriously. If we decide that we're going to help those who are weak become stronger, and we're not going to judge them, but we're going to help them to grow in the Lord. You know, for example, let's say your church has services every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Wednesday night. And you have maybe a weaker brother or sister in Christ. They come to church on Sunday morning, but not Sunday night and Wednesday night. Now, you know what the tendency is, and sometimes we preachers are guilty of it too. We tend to judge and criticize those who come to church only on Sunday morning, instead of befriending them and doing all we can to encourage them to come to the house of God on Sunday night and Wednesday night. You know, (laughs) you might tell such a person, look, if you enjoy coming to church on Sunday morning, boy, you're going to really love it on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Amen. And uh, maybe uh, your church has a a Wednesday night supper. Many churches do that. You might say, I want you to come to the Wednesday night supper at our church. In fact, if you'll come, I'll I'll sit with you. And we'll enjoy a good meal together. And you could be used of the Lord to get that weaker brother or sister in Christ coming back to church on a regular basis. That would be a wonderful thing. Well, let's read on further, starting with verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ. Notice he says they're like-minded. Ideally, a church consists of like-minded believers. Believers who have a lot of things spiritually in common. And believers who were dedicated to the cause of helping their weaker brothers and sisters in Christ grow stronger. Not judging them, not criticizing them, but ministering to them in a friendly way to help them become the stronger Christians that they have the potential of being. Okay, now, let's go on. Okay, looking at verse 5. 
But now the patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ, that ye may with one mind and with one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, and his with his people. And once again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Elias saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. So, Paul is talking about how even though in the beginning the gospel was made available only to the Jews, and in fact when we get to the New Testament, we find that for the most part this continues to be the situation. The gospel is primarily presented to the Jews. But starting with Paul, we find that now the gospel is being made available to the Gentiles. We Gentiles now get in on the act, so to speak, and we have an opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. And God now is willing to do things through us. And this is a wonderful thing. The point is here that God wants both Jews and Gentiles to understand that they are one in salvation. They are one when it comes to salvation. In other words, it's not a, an argument as to whether it's better to be a Jew or whether it's better to be a Gentile. We can rejoice in the fact that one day in heaven we'll have Jewish believers and Gentile believers both. Amen. <laughs> Now, if we're going to be in heaven together, it seems to me it only makes sense that you and I would want to work together down here on earth and try to get along with each other down here on earth. One of the things that I try very hard to do in this ministry is not to make attacks against other ministers of the gospel. Now, I may find fault with certain practices of some churches and some ministries, but I try not to launch any attacks on any one particular minister of the gospel. Because I recognize any true minister of the gospel, even if I don't agree with them, they are my brother and sister in Christ. And therefore, rather than criticize them, I should work with them 
to the degree that I can. Rather than focusing on all the different ways that I disagree with them. That, that tends to make sense. Amen. Now, as we get into verses 14 through 33 in Romans chapter 15, we find that Paul shifts in his conversation to the topic of himself and his own plans in the ministry. We know, for example, that Paul makes it very clear that he has a desire to go to Jerusalem. In fact, uh, we read in Romans chapter 15, verse 25, he says, But now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. Now, you have to understand, Paul had a lot of friends and supporters that did not want him going to Jerusalem. They said, Paul, man, you were crazy wanting to go to Jerusalem. Because you see, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, there are people there that want to put you in prison. They want to kill you. They want to persecute you. Why do you want to go to Rome? Well, you have to understand that Paul considered himself to be a fellow Jew. And even though Paul was a minister to the Gentiles, Paul also had a continuing love for his own people, the Jew. But for the most part, <clears throat> the Jews in Jerusalem did not receive Paul. In fact, they hated Paul. Now, to some degree, this is understandable. Because you see, earlier in Paul's life, Paul spent a number of years persecuting his Jewish brothers by putting them into prison and even killing some of them. We note, for example, that Paul was involved in the stoning death of Stephen, the first deacon. Some people called him the preaching deacon. And yet Paul played a role in Stephen, the preaching deacon, being executed. And because of the persecution that Paul did against the Jews, many of the Jews in Jerusalem, they hated Paul. They hated his guts. They couldn't stand to be anywhere around them. And if they could find a way to put him in prison and execute him, they would certainly do that. And yet Paul's love for his own Jewish people was such that he was willing to put it all on the line for their sake, for their benefit, to introduce them to the same freedom that he found in Christ. Now, you know, it, it, it's sometimes a lot easier to minister to your own friends than it is to minister to your enemies. You know, Paul could have taken the attitude, well, 
I don't really care about these Jews. They don't care about me. They hate me. They want to persecute me. And I say, fool on them. But that was not the attitude of Paul. Paul said, I'm willing to risk my own freedom. I'm willing to risk my own life and safety to carry to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't get any better than that. Amen. You just can't get any better than that. Now, Paul also makes it clear in this letter to the Romans that he has a strong desire to come to them as well. For example, we find that Paul says in chapter 15 and verse 32, he says that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. So Paul had every desire and intention to come to uh, Rome to minister to the saints in Rome and he says, I want to be encouraged by you guys. <laughs> in other words, Paul wasn't going there just to encourage them. He was coming there hoping and believing that he would also be encouraged by them. To be encouraged by what they were doing for the Lord. Amen. Now, of course, Paul didn't realize that he would go to Rome. <laughs> he wouldn't go to Rome the way he wanted to. Ultimately, he would go to Rome as a prisoner. <laughs> now, I guess if there's any advantage in that, it was that the Roman government paid his travel expense to Rome. But nonetheless, he went there as a prisoner. Now, Paul, I'm sure, would have preferred to go to Rome as a free evangelist, maybe putting on a crusade there in Rome, and getting out all the publicity he could about his crusade. But instead he goes there as a prisoner, in chains, confined to a prison cell. You know, it just lets us know Sometimes God will do for us what he, what we're wanting him to do for us, but he may not do it the way we think. And I want you to notice another verse here. Another verse I want us to see is here in chapter 15, uh, verse 16. He says, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And then in verse 19, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about until Iconium, I have fully preached unto you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now he talks about signs and wonders here. Now Paul had what was called apostolic authority. Apostolic authority. All of the 
original disciples, also referred to as apostles, they had something called a apostolic authority. They had the ability to perform miracles. That meant that they could raise the dead, they could heal the sick. But of course, this was done for a reason. This was God's way of validating their message. Now, back in those days, they didn't have the Word of God, or at least they didn't have the completed Word of God like you and I have today. In fact, in Paul's day, all they really had was the Old Testament Scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament as we know it today. And so God knew that their message had to be authenticated. And he authenticated their message by allowing them to perform signs and wonders and miracles and healings and things like this. Now I will point out that apostolic authority does not exist today. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't heal people today because he certainly does. I, I have pointed out in the past I have been healed many times by the Lord. The Lord has performed all kinds of miracles keeping me alive up to this point. And if the Lord continues blessing me next summer I turn 70 years old. I have a lot of friends that didn't live that long. Why has God allowed me to live that long? Well, I believe in a nutshell it's because he has more work for me to do. Amen. But yet at the same time, I know that people today are still being healed. Miracles are still performed. But when these miracles happen, it is God who gets the glory, not some apostle. I don't mind telling you, I can't heal anybody. I can't raise anybody from the dead. But I know that any miracle that needs to be performed, Jesus Christ is more than capable of doing it. And it is he, not I, but he that gets the glory. <clears throat> Amen. So Paul here is making it very clear that he wants to preach to them the full and complete gospel. I'm a little bit suspicious of ministers that want to preach just part of the gospel. They have a, a partial message. One example of that today would be the so-called prosperity gospel. You have preachers today that basically want you to give to their ministry with the promise that if you give to their ministry, God is going to make you rich beyond your wildest expectations. Folks, that is not biblical gospel. Nowhere in the Bible does it promise that if you give money to my ministry or any other ministry or any church, that God is going to make you a millionaire. If that's the reason you're giving then you're not giving for the glory of God. You're giving because you want a good business deal. You want to make money. You're looking for a business opportunity. <clears throat> now, if I told you I'm going to give you $100, if you give me 
you'd probably be crazy not to take advantage of that. But you see, when we participate in Christian giving, we give only for one reason. It is because of the fact that we love God, and we not only love God, but we want to take part in His ministry. That's that's why we do what we do. I've pointed out many times, I don't get a dime for doing this program. I really don't. I don't make a single penny doing this particular broadcast. I do it for one reason and one reason only. And that is that I love God and I love you. I have a desire to teach you the complete Word of God. And that's why here at Sunshine USA, I teach the Bible in its entirety, both the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Because you see, the way I see it, it's all the Word of God. You know, it's sad to say we have some Christians today who consider only the New Testament to be the Word of God. And some Christians go further by saying we only think part of the New Testament is really the Word of God. And that's the part written by Paul. But the way I see it, all 66 books in this Bible that I hold in my hand right now, it is the holy, inspired, inerrant Word of God. The infallible Word of God. The whole Bible. And my job as a preacher of the gospel is to preach the entire Bible. To preach the entire gospel. And that's exactly what Paul says he is doing for the Romans. And for anybody else that will listen, he's preaching unto them the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter 15, verse 21, it says, But as it is written to whom he was not spoken of, they shall not see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For this cause I have also, also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, living no more, place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. So, you see, Paul is making it clear to the Romans that really for many years it's been his desire to come to him. But, he says, for whatever reason, God earlier in his ministry did not allow me to come to you. In other words, it's fair to say Paul had plans to come to Rome all along. It's just that uh, God allowed certain obstacles to come up that did not allow Paul to come to Rome as quickly as he wanted to. But God eventually brought it to pass in his timing. And that's a very important lesson for you and me to understand as Christians. We need to understand that God will do what he intends to do for us 
but he will do it in his timing, not ours. It might be that you've been trusting the Lord for a particular thing for a long time now. But so far it hasn't happened. Now that doesn't mean it won't happen. But it means that if it happens, it will happen when God is ready for it to happen. Not when you're ready for it to happen, or when you want it to happen. But God will allow it to happen in his timing. We also know that Paul had yet other plans. For example, Paul had a desire to go as far west as what is now the country of Spain. Let me ask you this question. Do you think Paul ever went to Spain? Now let me point out, first of all, that Spain was not called Spain back in those days. It was um, another name back in those days. But Paul had a desire to go to what is now the country of Spain over in Europe. You think Paul ever went there? I believe he did. Now he didn't go there as soon as he wanted to go there. His plans were constantly delayed, but I think the Lord gave him an opportunity toward the end of his ministry to go as far west as Spain. Now that means that you and I as Gentile Christians today, we owe a great debt to Paul because that set the stage for the gospel of Jesus Christ eventually later coming to the new world called America and you and I have European ancestors, for example, many of us, who were exposed to the gospel as a result of Paul's ministry, and they came over to America where we were exposed to the gospel. So in many ways, you and I are directly beneficiaries of the ministry of Paul. We could be very thankful that Paul went as far west as he could. Now, back in those days, Spain basically was about as far west as you could go. Amen. And bearing in mind, they didn't have modern means of transportation back in those days either. Back in those days, uh, you know, they uh, traveled a lot by foot, walking, hiking, in some cases, they traveled by boat. But that's about the extent of their options. When you had a desire to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world, there was no easy way back then to do it. I mean, I thank God that it's easier to carry the gospel worldwide now because of the fact that we have the Internet, We have many other modern conveniences that make it easier and faster than ever for us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people. Right now, I have the ability to preach the gospel all over the, all over the world, and that means I have the ability to preach the gospel in countries well beyond the United States, and certainly well beyond my hometown of Greenville, South Carolina. I, I told someone just this past weekend, I think for the most part my traveling days are over. Now back in the old days, before all this 
modern internet technology came about, that would have been bad news. That would have meant that I didn't have much of a ministry left. But, uh, but actually, just the opposite is true. Because now I have the opportunity of carrying the gospel to a lost and dying world by way of the internet. I mean, I could not possibly travel to all of the countries that we reach for Christ here in Sunshine USA. I mean, we've gotten response from as far away as Indonesia and the Philippines, Europe, Asia, Russia, North America, South America, Africa. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, back in high school, I, I give the story all the time about how I felt like maybe the Lord wanted me to go to Africa to be a missionary. But then as now, I mean, I had very bad health, especially a, a bad bout with uh, asthma. I still have a lot of trouble with asthma. And the mission board at that time said, you know, Warren, you're just not healthy enough to go to Africa. And for a long time, for many years, I was actually very greatly disappointed. But I realized that God had something better for me. What God had in store for me was to allow the Internet to be invented by whoever invented it. And, and that meant that I would be able to use the Internet to carry the gospel not only to Africa, just the other day, I got some email from a listener in the Congo. But the fact of the matter is, we go into all the world, all the different countries, all the different continents. If God gave me my desire to go to Africa to be a missionary back when I was in high school, I might have missed the opportunity that I have now to go a lot further than Africa in terms of preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I thank God for that. Now in the next broadcast, we will get into Romans chapter 16. And Paul has some pretty neat stuff to say there. And he has some things to say there that you might normally miss. Because it sounds like God is, <laughs> I mean, Paul is just uh, thanking a lot of people who helped him. But there's actually a far bigger message than that. We'll find out what that is in the next broadcast when we go to Romans chapter 16. So if you haven't read chapter 15 yet, go ahead and do that. And then go on and read chapter 16. Now, as usual, if you have any Bible study questions, if you have um, any um, testimonies or praise reports or anything like that, I would love to hear from you. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com and warrenlandis at gmail.com. And one of the things I have shared on recent broadcasts starting last week, I would love to get a Christmas card. I would love to get a Christmas card from every single listener that I have. <clears throat> no matter what country you live in, no matter what city you live in, 
no matter what continent, continent you're on. I would love to hear from you. And I'm going to hopefully take a picture of all these cards when they come in so that I can show you exactly how many countries that we're in broadcasting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're sending me a Christmas card, you probably need my snail mail address. And my snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thrusted Street, that's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thrusted Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, zip code 29605. It's Warren Landis, 80 Thrusted Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, zip code 29605. And like I say, uh, if you send me a Christmas card, I'll be glad to send you one as well. Just give me your contact information, and I'll be glad to send you a Christmas card along with a picture of myself. And it will be so great to be able to see some of the people that I get to teach the Bible to every day here on Sunshine USA. So until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.